Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Coaching staff changes since you and I last chatted on this podcast. The baby shark, Gerardo Parra, moves from the front office to first base. Ricky Gutierrez moves from run prevention coordinator. I don't even really know what that is. To Wouldn't third that be base pitching coach? <laughs> That's another way to say it, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure, look, I, I joke a little bit. I know everyone over there loves Gutierrez and has nothing but good things to say. Um, so I don't, I don't have a problem with a big coaching staff. You, you see what just happened, you know, with a team that had a big coaching staff in the postseason, and, and um, you know the Texas Rangers. But uh, I, I just don't know what that is exactly. I thought he was helping a lot with like defense and infielding and, and things like that. Uh, but regardless, the Nats announced that their staff changes uh, are complete. So uh, they also added Miguel Cairo now as their bench coach. No more. Tim Bogar sitting next to Davey, who's a longtime buddy of, of Davey's. Uh, they go back many, many years. And how about Chris Johnson, the former Brave and rival of the Nats, is the assistant hitting coach now. That was an interesting name to see added to help out Darnell Coles. And Jim Hickey stays on as pitching coach, uh, strategy coach, and catching coach Henry Blanco. And Ricky Bonus will be their bullpen coach. Anything there you want to jump on? Uh, I mean, it's cool to see Gerardo Parra as a meaningful part of the organization. Like, you'd see him at the park last year, but he wasn't, you know, he'd be in the dugout, but you, you really didn't know what kind of role he was playing. I mean, he'd, he'd be out talking with guys, and, you know, when other teams would come into town with former teammates, he'd go over and say hi, but you kind of didn't know. Now you're going to have Gerardo Parra back with the organization in a meaningful role where you see him. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the difference is in these base coaches. I mean, obviously – the big ones people are going to focus on Darnell Coles, Jim Hickey still back as the hitting and pitching coach. But I, I think overall, you know, Davey Martinez is still the manager, the hitting and coach and pitching coach are still the same. So I think a lot of it's just going to end up staying the same, but I, I don't think there's anything here that's wowing. You know, I don't think there's anything too crazy. 
Yeah, I think a lot is made of hitting and pitching coaches, and it's probably at times, frankly, <clears throat> over-discussed at the major league level. Like when I talk to people around the sport and players, it's not to say that it's insignificant or unimportant, but I don't know that a hitting or pitching coach has the impact that people think. I think sometimes they think of it almost like an offensive or defensive coordinator in football, and it's just not that level of impact in my opinion at all these guys are doing a lot of work on their own the coaches are important they can help you get out of a funk they can uh, evaluate your swing and tell you what's wrong or your, your mechanics and tell you what's what's not going well I guess if I had my druthers just me personally if I was running the show I would want probably a my perception of Jim Hickey based on my conversations with him is that he's not a particularly analytical or forethinking pitching coach he's more of an old school guy and the Nats have not had issues hiring and, and employing more of those old school coaches um that said I, I would probably skew younger I would be looking at, at some of the top pitching coaches and and some of the top pitching programs in America at the college level uh, guys who are a part of nice baseball factories whether that's you know Wake Forest or anywhere else where they've got a, a nice pitching lab built and and using all the analytics and numbers and, and machines, you know, that that's what I'd be looking to do. I got the sense at times last year, like Josiah Gray and even, um, you know, maybe uh, Jake Irvin, you know, who's also pretty into numbers. I, I don't know if they butt heads with Hickey, but I, I wonder what that relationship's like with those guys who are super forethinking. And then Hickey was more old school. So I would probably trend. Younger is not the word I'm looking for age-wise as much as just like fresher thinking yeah. and, and dabble into the college level, but they didn't do that. Um, not returning this year, interestingly, was Bogar as a bench coach. I wonder if he's just kind of ready to move on or if there's more to that. Uh, first base coach, Eric Young Jr., par, as you mentioned, replaces him. And then third base coach is always an important job, right? I mean, Ricky Gutierrez, who's a 53-year-old, who was, the, I mentioned, the run prevention coordinator in the organization. Five seasons in the Reds organization. Spent time as a double-A and single-A manager, single-A bench coach. So he's been around. He's climbed the ladder. 12-year major league infielder. Played for the Padres, Astros, Cubs. I think the then Indians, Mets, and Red Sox as well. Um, I'll be curious to see how he does. I, I thought third base decisions were a weakness at times last year. And I was actually glad to see them make a change there. Yeah, I mean, I thought some of the sends and various things were a little bit questionable. It wasn't as bad at times as the previous one, but it still wasn't great. So I think just shaking some things up, I think you're seeing this in the whole organization, whether it's in the minor leagues, obviously at the major league level we're talking about here, but just little bits of shakeups. I don't think there's anything too crazy going on, but sometimes you just need some fresh sets of eyes and some new perspective to change things up. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of a difference it makes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
And one other thing we should hit here before we get out on this episode of Bust and Loose Baseball would be in the front office where there's been all kinds of changes and new faces coming into the organization. There was a promotion from within that I'm frankly a little bit excited about here. And I don't know exactly um, if the master plan all along was set in place that, you know, this is where they would end up at player development, but I like where they got to Uh, Eddie Longos, who is the assistant GM is now going to take on a role, vice president, assistant general manager, player development. Uh, He's been in the organization for 14 years. A lot of the people that I've talked to, not only since this happened, but over the last several years in the building have always talked about this guy as being something of like an unsung hero, just a worker behind the scenes. Nobody knows his name. You know, he just kind of chops wood and uh, does all the little things that are asked of him. He was heavily involved in the draft process. Now everyone says, oh no, the draft process has been terrible. Well, he, he wasn't making the picks. He was doing all of the work for the people that needed information to make the pick. So, Hey, put together a, you know, a folder and a file on this guy. Hey, get us all the information on these things. And he's super organized. He, he would kind of coordinate and organize where the scouts were going, what games they were going to see, making sure everyone got seen the right amount of times, like those types of things among his duties as he was climbing. He's actually a local guy. Uh, Danny Ruye, uh, weirdly enough, my co-host on Grant and Danny, I think, coached him in high school baseball at one point at St. Albans, which is so hilarious and funny. And I always uh, tell Danny that, you know, if he's doing well, I'm going to give uh, Eddie the credit. If he's doing badly, I'm going to blame Danny. <laughs> um, but he's assisted Rizzo on professional, amateur, international scouting things. He's been around. So I like that he's getting an opportunity. Uh, and uh, I'm curious to see how he does here. But I do think he is kind of what I was talking about with the pitching side of things. Like he is a, a pretty analytical guy, I would imagine. This is this is not a former longtime baseball player and grizzled scout, right? This is a a young guy, pro- a little older than me, probably, or around my age in his thirties, upper thirties, I don't know. Who, uh, you know, has been around baseball and studied it really closely and and knows the game, and and I think uh, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, I liked a little bit of a shift. I think there's a nice marriage between the old school scouting and some of the analytics. And so I think you're seeing a little bit of some of that where Rizzo's obviously more so along the lines of the old school scout, but you bring over a guy from the Orioles to help with the draft. You promote Longos and some of the guys that are a little more new age. I think you have a nice little mix there where, you know, maybe Rizzo can find a couple of guys that, you know, along the old school scouting lines, but I think he wants to see, the new way and see ways that, you know, they've struggled in drafts. Like we said, now you bring in some new information. So I think it's important how they're going about this, where they're kind of modernizing, I guess you could say the organization and trying to get up with the times a little bit. So it's kind of nice to see that they're making these moves. And it's also nice to have a guy that was in the organization that kind of understands how things go worked with Rizzo. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And it's really cool that a local guy that worked with Danny and was coached by Danny gets to be a big part of the organization for the Nationals. Yeah, and that's hiring Danny Haas as the vice president amateur scouting. Brad Selick, remember, senior director amateur scouting, comes over from the Orioles, who's going to help them a ton in actually putting their draft boards together. Um, 
So I'm I'm fired up about the direction things are headed uh, it, with some of the hirings and at least a, a fresh coat of paint here at some positions where it was needed. One other note, Jeff Passan reported just a couple days ago, he tweeted, kind of out of nowhere, I was surprised by this, that the Nationals are in the market for starting pitching and that he ex- expects, I don't know that he used the word aggressive, but he said uh, he's expecting that the Nationals uh, do as much as they can to try to add starting pitching this offseason. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's interesting because like we were talking about, I mean, if you look at the starting rotation, maybe not coming out of spring training, but you think about going into the season, Cavalli's got a spot at some point, obviously Gray and Gore, Corbin's there as well. So then Jake Irvin, uh, maybe a Jackson Rutledge. I would like to see those guys. So if you're spending big on someone, I'm fine with that. If you want to bring in a top free agent thinking that, you know, maybe not this season you're looking at a playoff spot, but maybe next season or if everything goes well, maybe you can get in there this season. I'd be fine with it. But if you're just going to go sign another mid-tier starting pitcher, I don't know that this year is the time to do it because I would like to have a spot or two open. So, you know, if DJ Hers, like we were talking about earlier, is pitching really well and you want to get him into the rotation, get him some big league experience, I'd like that. Or Mitchell Parker. Like, you've got some guys in the organization that I think deserve some looks at the major leagues at some point this year. And if it's just going to be clogged by another guy like a Trevor Williams from last year, or even someone that's a little bit better but isn't coming in and giving you ace-type stuff, I don't know that I love it. But at the same point, if they're going to be spending money and maybe this is someone that can be a number three type starter on a a decent ball club and he can be around for a couple of seasons and next year they're looking at a playoff spot, then I I guess I'd be fine with it because at least they're spending money. But at the same point, I don't know if this is the right time for that. Yeah, I think you're on it and I'm with you. I no reason to really say much else. I mean, if you're signing a high end helpful piece, I'm never going to be upset about that. What I liked about it is it's the first time we've seen anything like that in a couple of years, right? Where even the idea that they might be aggressive in trying to do something is kind of exciting. So I'm not expecting much. I think they'll do more than they did last off season when it felt like Mike Rizzo was told, Hey, here's 10 to $15 million, make it last. Uh, and I think they'll still not do enough to get any kind of major needle movement in terms of, fan base excitement going into opening day. And this will be one more year as they kind of try to build this thing from the ground up within a la last season. They'll try to get as close to 500 as possible with the development of their young guys. And then next year is when they'll spend and really try to kick it into overdrive and, and try to go win baseball games. But all of this of course hinges on what happens with the ownership group and uh, there's no update there. <laughs> Seemingly never going to be an update. Well, there. and you hope that with, them watching the World Series and seeing the combination of the two teams that were there with the Diamondbacks having a lot of homegrown talent and making a couple trades and seeing what they were able to do. But then looking at the team that ultimately won, the Rangers have some guys that they had through their system, like Adolis Garcia, they ended up picking up and having develop. And, you know, you can consider him as part of their organization. I think you can look at Evan Carter. You know, they made some nice moves, but ultimately their big producers were money spent, right? Nathan Eovaldi, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, that's money spent. So, and the Nationals already have the blueprint that if they want to win a World Series, it's not something where everybody can come from in the organization. Max Scherzer was money spent. Patrick Corbin was spectacular in 19. That's money spent. So I think they understand that if they're going to win a World Series again, and look, 
as much as we like to bash the learners, they had just as much fun, if not more fun in 2019 as we did, right? They, they actually got to see money from it as opposed to us. Like we spent the money to give them to have all the World Series gear. So they enjoyed it. I think they want that again. And maybe they're looking and seeing, you know what? This team is starting to go in the right direction. Maybe it's time we spend some money. And so you hope that after watching that World Series and seeing a guy like a Corey Seager that gets $300 million and wins World Series MVP because that's what he was paid to do, you hope that they look and say, well, maybe we should start looking at doing that. Maybe it's not the time yet, but hopefully it opens up the checkbooks if they remain the owners. He's Toby Altizer. I'm Grant Paulson. Our producer is Darius Dameron. This has been Bustin' Loose Baseball. We'll be back at it next week with another update on everything going on with your Washington Nationals.